Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account. And let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for season two of Living the Sky Life. Today's guest is another powerhouse mom who is an author, writer, and advocate of all persons with disabilities. Christina Abernethy is a dedicated wife, mother of three, and passionate advocate for people impacted by disabilities. She has coordinated events to fund research, supports, and service dogs for families. She has served on local committees, coached an adaptive cheerleading team, and won awards for successful fundraising endeavors, including those for Team Bubba, honoring her son Ethan with autism. She is the founder of Love, Hope, and Autism and is proud to be the coordinator for Changing Spaces Pennsylvania, which is a movement to build accessible restrooms with powered height-adjustable adult-sized changing tables across communities to promote inclusion. She is working with legislators to pass a bill in Pennsylvania that would require such facilities in hospitals, airports, museums, rest stops, malls, and more. She also works as a family support and community engagement specialist at Achieving True Self, supporting families just like hers. Christina is committed to spreading a message of heightened awareness and acceptance of differences, ultimately inspiring hope. For her efforts, she won the Achieva Award of Excellence for Family Support in 2018 and in 2019 was awarded a medal by the Autism Connection of Pennsylvania. She's a two-time best-selling co-author, most recently including You Are Not Alone, Stories, Resources, and Hope from Autism Moms, a book that is filled with inspiring stories, helpful resources, and hope for families to let them know they are not alone in their journey. Please welcome Christina Abernethy. So I'm so excited. My guest today on Living the Sky Life is Christina Abernathy. Um, her account on Instagram and um, I think in other areas too is Love, Hope, and Autism. So many of you may be familiar with her, but if not, today is a good opportunity to learn all about her and her family. So welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I was so excited that we were able to connect. Um, there are so many things to unpack and talk about with you. You're doing big things. And I also want to hear so many details about your kiddos and everything that you've been going through since diagnosis day, um, which I think nobody forgets their diagnosis right. <laughs> with their child. Um, you have twin boys. Um, and one of your twins, Ethan, is on the spectrum. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So how did all of that kind of play out as far as the diagnosis for one twin and not the other? Did you notice developmental uh, differences between the two of them when they were little? Or how did that all come to be? Sure. So um, our boys were born in May, actually on Mother's Day uh -huh. <laughs> um, in, in 2011. Um, and Honestly, um, I'm very transparent about this. My husband and I knew from the day that they were born that something was just a little different and a little off, you know, with Ethan. I, I kept saying, like, I don't think he was done cooking yet. Like, I don't yeah. think he was ready um, because they, I mean, they were like four and a half weeks early, but they were 
big, healthy boys. I mean, five, four and six, eight, that's big for uh-huh. twins. Um, so I mean, they were healthy. Um, but we just, we noticed right off the bat that, you know, that there were just things that were like a little bit different. And then over the course of the next like six months, my husband and I really knew, you know, um, developmentally and just, you know, cognitively like where his twin brother was, but mind you, we also have an older daughter. So we had already kind of been through this rodeo, you know, before with our daughter. So it's just, there was things that seemed different and he wasn't, you know, where his twin brother was and you know, so I kind of started taking some notes and would bring things up to the PCP. And quite honestly, the PCP kept telling us that he was just a chubby, lazy baby. And Uh I kept thinking, what does that even mean? You know, if our, if our child isn't crawling, if our child, you know, because we kept talking about these concerns until he was with the same doctor till he was about 13 months old. And, you know, at that point, um, still not crawling, let alone walking you know, and his twin brother is running circles around him. And I just said, you know, all the questions that the nurse asks for the boys, they're all yes for Brayden and she's checking them off. I said, and then for Ethan, they're all no. Like, doesn't that pose as a big red flag, you know? (laughs) And again, she would just say, you know, he's a boy, he'll catch up. And, you know, I just think he's a chubby, lazy baby. And I said, well, but what makes a baby lazy? Like, I feel like, naturally as human beings, like our, our bodies want to go and we want to move, you know, like developmentally, that's, that's what we do. And he like, couldn't, it was almost like something was preventing him from being able to do that. And it wasn't until we switched doctors. Cause I just felt like our concerns weren't being listened to, you know, right. and we switched doctors, same practice with switched doctors. And he immediately within 10 minutes of seeing Ethan, you know, you're going to go get an MRI. You're going to go get lab work done. You're going to get this test done. Um, I want you to see neurology at children's. Um, and you know, and then there's these people that can do therapy with him in your home. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like this was just like all dumped, you know, which was great that he listened to our concerns. But again, we had no idea that any of this existed, that there was someone that could be coming into our home and helping him. And at the time, what we really knew was that he has, he had hypotonia. So that low muscle tone so badly that he couldn't, that's why he was so chubby because he, his little muscles were so weak and he wasn't moving because he was weak and he needed help, you know, through physical therapy. So that's kind of how it all started was getting help through physical therapy and then eventually, you know, occupational therapy and speech therapy. Um, but it was over time that as he got older, I feel like the cognitive delays develop and developmentally and especially speech as well, where the they were just so prominent with him. Um, and it was clear as day, right? Because he has a twin brother. So mm-hmm. twin brothers over here, jibber jabbering and little Bubba wasn't doing any of that, you know, to get a smile from him just made your day, but you know, not to hear him jibber jabbering and stuff was, was very sad. And so we eventually did, um, you know, pursue that and, and the, do- the first doctor, although I will say told us that he was too happy to have autism. <laughs> He was too happy, too happy to have autism. That's oh my God. I've never heard that. Told me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I remember like crying to my husband, like, I don't even know what that means. So people with autism can't be happy. Like we're, we're happy that our children are happy. Like, I think that that's a good thing that, he, yeah. that he's happy, even though he has all these struggles, he's so happy. Like, isn't that a good thing? 
They're usually the smiliest um, bunch of kids, I think. I mean, my son smiles <laughs> all the time. Right. Sometimes I don't even know why. Right. <laughs> yeah. Smiling. And sometimes he's laughing and we'll, we'll just start laughing because we don't know what he's laughing uh -huh. at, but because it's like his laugh is infectious, it's just, he makes, he brightens your day, yeah. you know? Um, and so, yeah, we, we found a doctor who, um, you know, listened to our concerns. She met with us at three different days and times, um, really did like a nice thorough, uh, testing with him and everything where I was there because at the time Ethan had no words. So I was kind of able to say like, okay, this is what he typically does or not, you know? Um, and so she sat Jesse and I down, you know, without Ethan, um, my, my in-laws watched him and that's where we got the diagnosis. And it was one of those things where it feels like a sense of relief because you have answers, right? Like I felt like I was kind of in this like mixed emotion. Like it was like a deep sigh of like, okay, now we know, you know, but, but then of course it was also very sad hearing those words and scary because you don't know what the future will hold. Um, so I think it was a lot to like take in those emotions, but also knowing that to have the answers and to have that key to open the door to get the resources that he needed to help him made the world of difference. That's what's so intriguing to me about just the science of autism and how much they still don't know after all mm -hmm. these years. I mean, there's so many people out there with 30 and 40 year olds that are on the spectrum, maybe mm -hmm. diagnosed later in life. And once we finally knew a name for it, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, to have two twins in utero, the same, you know, obviously mm -hmm. together and, and to have one twin with complications um, and, mm -hmm. and ultimately developing autism and the other one not, it's just mm -hmm. it's so intriguing. I wish they could figure out exactly what, you know, is, is the issue. My son was uh, five weeks early also, six pounds, okay. pretty, mm -hmm. you know, pretty mm -hmm. healthy and all of that. Um, there's really no explanation why he came early. But mm -hmm. it's just so strange that autism is a part of that. So, right. And um, Ethan also, um, like the, Ethan and Brayden are fraternal twins. They're not mm -hmm. identical. So they, mm -hmm. they were in like their own separate sacks. So that is something that like doctors have talked about, you know, being intrigued by that, how like Ethan has autism and Brayden does not. Um, they said if they were identical, they might both have it or they might both not, you know. So it is yeah. something that they've talked to us about. And we've also done genetic testing with Ethan as well, but where we found some things. So um, it's, 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 it's very, it's very intriguing. I mean, the, this whole process, like, I feel like we're always learning uh -huh. from him, you know, whether it's about autism or, or something else that, you know, this path has crossed us with, but I just, I feel like we learn so much from him every day, let alone him learning from us, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I honestly feel like that's the purpose. Like they're mm -hmm. all given to us with a purpose and maybe mm -hmm. we'll, it'll take us our lifetime to figure out what that is. But um, mm -hmm. there's, there's a reason behind all of it. Sometimes right. it's frustrating because I don't really want to learn lessons. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> go about my normal day like everyone else. <laughs> but, right. you know, it makes us all stronger. So yeah. is Eth are the twins nine? at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. They turned nine in May. Mm -hmm. So what is Ethan's communication like right now? Does he um, have words or does he use an alternate device like PEX or something to communicate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he does have some words now, which is amazing. Awesome. Uh, he was completely nonverbal till about six. Um, and he did have a talker. He had one talker, like he started with the PEX system and picture based things to help him communicate some just with like eat more bathroom, stuff like that. 
And then um, he went to one talker that I still feel like today was like, I feel like I felt like we were like three levels up above him. Like it was just too hard and too difficult for him to navigate, which is why like he never really got into that one. Um, but we still continued with that. We ended up getting him a new talker and it's actually an iPad with touch tat on it. It's an, it's an app um, specifically for like communication. Um, and then we also use sign language over the years. So sign language really helped him um, also communicate with us. And so even though Ethan is not hard of hearing, um, it was still really important for us to give him a means of communication. So whether that be through verbal speech, sign language or a speech device, we were just giving him any and all tools to be able to express himself, you know, his wants and needs and things like that. So that's always been very big to us, even to this day with him still having very limited speech. There's sometimes like he makes up his own little signs and we'll just try <laughs> to figure out based upon what his hands are doing. And that's fine. Um, and then sometimes he still uses like the sign for more or something like that. Cause some days like the words just, you know, aren't coming out on uh, just the other day, he was using his talker a lot. Like sometimes he'll just go and get it. And, and what I love about it is he'll um, touch buttons on there. And then he repeats the word, which is the whole purpose of the speech device. You know, I've heard comments in the past and I even had someone once like say, why don't you put a piece of tape over his mouth for having huh. a speech device? And I said, Actually, it does the complete opposite. I said, when he touches a button and hears the word being said, yeah. he tries to repeat it. You know, that's, that's the whole point. And then if Ethan can say two or three words together, which is kind of where he's at now, we try to like add on to that. So instead of just like ball or kick ball, you know, like I want ball or I want to kick ball, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we're trying to add on to that for him, you know, as he gets older so the speech device has also been life-changing for him um, and even still to this day. So even though he does have some verbal words, um, there are days that are just harder for him. And we just found out that he has apraxia of speech, um, which some people call it childhood apraxia, which I think most like talking to speech therapists and doing my own research. Um, and I follow this gentleman called, named Jordan. Um, he's absolutely amazing who has apraxia and he's an adult. And he's like, you know, apraxia isn't just a childhood disorder. This is like a lifelong disorder. And, you know, I've been saying since Ethan was little that it's almost like this disconnect between his brain and his mouth. Uh -huh. um, it's like he knows what he wants to say, but like it's, it, it's not coming out. And that's always made me feel so, so bad as his mom, you know, like I wish, I wish I could help that little wire in there, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's not connected uh, correctly. So so what happens is like with Ethan, like he might do it, I'll be like, oh, there's a ball. And I'll be like, oh, you want to go play ball? <laughs> you know, so he knows what he wants to say about that ball. And he's trying to tell you, but it's almost like he gets stuck in this jibber jabber. And then like ball might come out or play ball might come out. But there's kind of like this jibber jabber before it, um, you know, if that makes sense. So it, it's still hard for him uh, with his verbal speech. Um, but I will say music therapy has been completely life-changing and opened up a door into his speech and his verbal communication, like nothing I've ever seen when he's singing, he can say like four words together. I love when people find, and they just kind of stumble on something that is so powerful for them that makes them happy and makes them want to, to try mm -hmm. and to do more things. But I mean, I think, of course, we're all hard on ourselves, but I think, you know, you're 
you should pat yourself on the back for using all of those means of communication because not only did he learn you know to talk using pushing those buttons and and you know to hear the words sound that out for him mm -hmm. but it's cool that he goes back when he's struggling and he knows he can't just that day he can't get the word out he goes back right. for that talker and gets it because he knows that that is helpful to him and enable to you know enables him to be able to ex express whatever he wants to to you guys so yeah i think it's awesome that he goes back and forth when he needs mm -hmm. it knows that he needs it and doesn't yes. you know limit himself that's cool yes yeah i always say i wish i wish i wish and i know i shouldn't do that i just i wish Aww. that we had some of that we've tried it all but we're gonna get there i think we just started spelling to communicate and i'm hopeful that we've already Aww. seen some really good promise with that so that's amazing like i don't care if you spell swear words you could spell whatever yeah. you want just spell <laughs> something so i know exactly what you think right <laughs> so yes. Does um I imagine that all all of your kids you have the three um that the, mm -hmm. your two other children probably can speak to Ethan in their own little language they understand exactly what he wants without really hearing much from yes. him es yeah. especially Brayden <laughs> I feel like it's like a twin thing yeah you know I mean even just them growing beside each other um, and I also think that that's really been helpful to Ethan to watch Brayden you know because even as Brayden's like running around and Ethan's just looking at him like. I want to do that, you know? So like when Ethan got his gait trainer and like, it looks like a little baby walker, it's the cutest thing. And so he's like strapped to that and he had like his little AFO like braces on yep, his legs. And those he's too. like, you know, he's trying to walk with um, Brayden and like his face just like lit up because it was like, well, I'm doing what you're doing now, you know? Aww, it was, it's just, so the most, it's just the most amazing thing. So I really think that that's always been, you know, a benefit for both of them, you know, sure. to, to do things side by side and um you know Brayden has just such a nice bond with Ethan I mean they, they all three of them do but even at you know three and four when Bubba would you know and Brayden's like oh he wants a cookie or he needs a drink <laughs> I'm like oh okay <laughs> and I'll have one too yeah. <laughs> while you're getting him one <laughs> that's funny yeah, yeah it's funny that you guys call him Bubba because we um we call Skylar um Bubster all the time Aww, yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it just kind of i don't even know how that came to be but he has a ton of nicknames but that's one of the oh. big ones um oh so. i love it well, Ethan, <laughs> well I know like that... i said was so chubby so he was chubba bubba and so <laughs> yeah we're like oh look at our little chubba bubba and then obviously as he got older like you know the chubby part went away i mean he's still a solid kid but i mean you're not gonna call a eight-year-old or a nine-year-old chubba bubba so like bubba over the years just stuck yeah, for so sure. That's how it's we probably easy it. to say too for his, for his brother. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I know they play well together and you know, you've mentioned in, in several of your social media posts and stuff that they like to wrestle the brothers and all the kids really get, you know, get along well. Is there anything with Ethan's like temperament or any behavioral challenges over the years with him? Um, if he gets frustrated because he can't talk or is there anything mm -hmm. that you guys have gone through from that perspective? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, it's so hard to talk about the hard, but like, you know, it's, it's so important that we talk about it too. Um, behaviors, I feel like they're like waves, you know, like uh -huh. some days are better than others. Um, and just like his communication, the kind of waves as well. Um, but there's a lot of hitting, a lot of throwing, um, pushing, um, 
and, and, you know, having multiple children and him not being the only one, you know, so if there's something thrown, you know, and Brayden happens to be in the, the same room or near him or something. And so when, if Brayden ends up getting hurt because something's thrown, that's where like that, that mama guilt, you know, kind well, of yeah, because you can't in. discipline him really. Cause he doesn't understand. Right. And you know, there's, there's hitting to hit and because I'm, I'm mad or I'm upset at you or I, I want to hurt you. And there's hitting because like, I can't find the words and I'm frustrated. Yeah. So I'm hitting and it doesn't make it right at all. Um, but we've worked extremely, extremely hard because this, these are behaviors that have, I mean, they've been present since he was a little guy, you know? <laughs> um, but as he gets older, I feel like these behaviors in a way, get worse for the simple fact of he is bigger and he is stronger. Yeah. So, you know, that, that does get scary sometimes. And, um, we do the best that we can to try to redirect, um, you know, keep him safe, keep his twin brother safe. I mean, our daughter's almost 18, you know, so she's much bigger than the boys. I didn't um, realize that the age difference. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, Selena's almost 18. So, um, you know, it is very hard, um, but we've also talked to Brayden a lot more about this. Like as Brayden's getting older, we answer any questions that he has, you know, about autism or, you know, the behaviors or whatever. Um, but I will say it amazes me to watch how Brayden, even after he was just hit or something was thrown or something happened and he like gives Ethan that space to where like he'll go back over and hug Ethan and be like, it's okay, buddy. I love you. And it'll just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like getting teary eyed thinking about it because he just knows that there are things that are hard for him. And when he's not able to use his words and things come out in behaviors, because behaviors are communication, even though it might not be good communication, it's not a good, healthy way to communicate. But he just, with the conversations that we're having and the questions that he's asking and just being there and present for his brother he just has this empathy and like genuine kindness about him and his heart that just <laughs> makes my heart just like melts into a puddle on the floor. Um, I, tr I truly feel like our, the yeah. one benefit, if you can say it's a benefit to having a child on the spectrum or a child with special mm -hmm. needs is that our other children, even our family members, uh, everyone has just a level of empathy that maybe yes. other families don't have. And our kids learn at a very young age about yep. differences and inclusion and all of those things. Um, you know, I just yep. wish more, more kids were exposed at a young age to children with disabilities, uh, because I think I it would change how adults operate nowadays. You yep. know, <laughs> they learn it I all. So agree. yeah. So I, I at least benefit. I think that's a benefit for our family anyway. <laughs> so my daughter's not a brat and she's not unkind to anyone. So, right. Right. It's been, yeah. And through the pandemic, like honestly, when first school got out, it was just kind of like, okay, school's out for a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. um, kind of like Ethan doesn't, um, really know like a sickness that's going around right now. Um, I mean, Ethan does have like moderate intellectual disability, mm -hmm. um, which we never allow that to, you know, base our decisions or anything like that off of that. We just try to explain things to him in a way that we hope that he understands and, and we think he does. 
Um, and so he really doesn't know that there's like this sickness and like, that's why we're not in school. He just knows that like, we're not in school, but literally just a few weeks in, that's when things kind of started crumbling pretty badly. Um, you know, we really couldn't even function in our home, you know, and do schoolwork or do therapy or me to even have a conversation with my husband. Like when he'd get home from work, it was just so much screaming and so much yelling out. And, um, again, without that being able to communicate, um, I still can't even imagine what that feels like, you know, to not be able to communicate and get your words out. Like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. Why aren't you helping me? Um, so the frustrations got and the behaviors got really, really bad. So we, we were doing ABA a lot and, um, like using a token system and that has really helped to help decrease behaviors, uh, during this time. So that's something that we've been working really hard on over the, you know, over the course of from March until now is just really trying to decrease behaviors. Are you doing a lot of that therapy just one-on-one with him? Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) How comfortable are you or were you in the beginning? And maybe you are now, maybe you're, you should get your license (laughs) after all all of this. We all Um, should. Yeah. Well, at first, and I I mean, they were still trying to do like targets and stuff like that, but it was just like telehealth was just such a mess and he Uh was shutting down so much more. And then literally like just closing the computer, like afterwards, like the behaviors would be so bad for the next two hours. I was emailing them like, I, I slash we like can't keep doing that. So I don't know if you guys need to like make a video and then send to me like, okay, this is what you would do, or this is what you would say this, like, this is what Bubba should be doing, you know, because I'm a very visual person. Like you can't like, write it all <laughs> for me. Like I, I need to see, I need to touch, I need to feel. Um, and so that's what they did. So I was pretty much taught through videos and things like that. This is what you would be doing. This is what, you know, would be expected of him. Um, and so using this token system has really helped, um, decrease behaviors. And, but what's nice about it is it's decreasing behaviors because like we are so busy. So like, he's helping me with laundry, which I love him helping with life skill stuff, you know? So he's helping me with laundry, whether it's putting it in, taking it out, putting the soap in folding, you know, putting stuff in the bathroom. Um, he'll help me cook dinner. So I might let him like put the vegetables in the pot or, you know, put the tater tots on the pan. Do you know what I mean? So it's giving him a sense of work and purpose, which he loves. Like he loves the help. Like he loves to feel that happiness and that connection with people and like helping. So that has helped decrease behavior so much. And so he's earning toes, which then get some rewards, which is great. So it makes him want to do it work more. So he now, even before he can have his iPad, he has to do work. So if he says iPad and I'll like put my hands up, like, Oh, you want your iPad? And he'll go woke, woke first, woke first. And I said, yes, you have to work first. So he knows, like he now knows that we've been doing this so long that, but he doesn't even mind the work now. Do you know what I mean? Like he's been doing it so long now since March (laughs) that he just knows, okay, well, I have to do these things in order to get what it is that I want. So he probably feels so proud of himself too, you know, just accomplishing all those things. Yep. And I love it because for us, you know, in school or at home or wherever, like we do still work on academic things, you know, we'll never stop that. Or, you know, that's, that's a big goal for him as well but we also have a lot of life skills in there. And the more that he can do independently and things around the house or to help him his own self is really important to my husband and I, as he gets older, you know, 
Um, Absolutely. That's awesome. And that's, I guess, you know, one silver lining if we have to find one for COVID and all this stuff is you've implemented this amazing, you know, a program, token program with him. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that's going to carry on now until he's however old. Mm -hmm. um, and you can just keep changing the, the rewards and, and the chores. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's smart. Kudos to you, mom. <laughs> we have oh, to I get couldn't creative. do it without. Oh, I couldn't do it with. I mean, his BCBA has been absolutely amazing. Like she's on like speed dial on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're all used to it at this point. They know they're going to yeah. be. So, well, I mean, that is a is a great segue, I guess, to all the other amazing things that you're doing. I want to talk about all of those um, because I, I'm just so impressed by so many of you moms that are have your hands in a million things um, regarding autism and just making this society better for our kids as a whole. Um, I don't know how you have the energy because when Skylar was nine or younger, I couldn't do blogs and all of these things. I just, I didn't even know what day it was, let alone doing anything else Aww. extra. So I know you started a blog. Um, I don't know the year that you started that. And can you tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about you know, just your intent for starting that and, and why you decided to put your life out there in writing? Sure. So uh, my blog is Love, Hope, and Autism. So that's a blog. It's also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I really, so writing for me has always been extremely therapeutic. I wrote as a kid, I actually used to write poems a whole lot growing up, like through my teenage years and in my 20s. Um, and then I just started like writing, writing, like kind of just like journaling, um, anything like something you know, deep that happened within my life or something I was going through, it just helped me write it out. Um, and so after Ethan was first diagnosed, I, like you said, I was not thinking about writing or sharing or blogging or, you know, you're so in the thick of it for me, at least, you know, so in the thick of it. Um, I couldn't even have thought about like sharing my feeling, you know, publicly and things like that. But what I came to realize was after some time, so if in like I needed to educate myself I wanted to know what autism was I wanted to know what it meant for Ethan what it meant for his life what it meant for our family because I do truly believe it kind of impacts your entire family and how how we can support him best um, so it was after that that you know I always I just didn't want other people to feel alone because I remember feeling like isolated and not like on purpose, but just feeling very, very isolated and feeling like there, I know there are other people out there <laughs> that have children with autism, but I, I, I kind of need to find my people. I need to be able to talk to someone and instead of hearing, oh, I'm sorry, or I don't know how you do that. I need someone to say, I get it. I need someone, you know, it's nice to talk to that other mom on the end of, other end of the phone who's like, yes, you know? So that, that was my whole point was I love to write. It's therapeutic. I wanted to share our journey and also like resources that have helped us. And I just thought, even if this just helps one other family, one other kiddo, I feel like it's worth it because they might be out there feeling alone and isolated too. And I don't want people to feel like that. So I really wanted to kind of just share our experiences and our journey so that other people feel less alone and just inspire hope in people because, you know, doctors say so many things when they're first, when they're first diagnosed and if they don't do this by this time, or if they don't do that, and it's just so overwhelming. And I just wanted to be that safe space and that person to help inspire and bring hope into people's lives when they're feeling like the world is kind of crashing down. 
Thank you for that, because I wish mm -hmm. now that there were a lot of blogs and things to read back in 2003 when this became my world, too. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, anyone that's has young children now or even children that are teens and older, we all can benefit from all of the podcasts and the blogs and, and the books and everything that's coming out now. So mm -hmm. I love it. I welcome it. So and I know you've authored um, a couple books. Were both mm -hmm. of them autism focused books or just uh, You Are Not Alone? Uh, you Are Not Alone, Stories, Resources, and Hope from Autism Moms is the one. I think there was 11 of us. So uh -huh. it was like a, a collaboration. Of, and uh, most of the moms are from Pittsburgh. Um, not all, but most of them. We all just shared a story um, with our child. I actually shared um, like Ethan's like nonverbal journey, you know, mm -hmm. and like during music therapy and, and how that kind of happened. And I literally was like in tears bawling <laughs> in music <laughs> therapy, hearing him say three words, you know, in a row while he was singing, because it was like this little like light bulb went off um, with music in his brain. And it was just absolutely amazing. So that's what I shared about. That's a really cool idea for a book. Uh, did you come up with that or, or were you um, in your parent groups and uh, all your friends and in, in your area? Did you guys just all decide to collaborate and put all your stories on paper? Yeah, it was something um, my friend Catherine Hughes, I think you're friends yeah. with her as well on, on Facebook. She's a very good friend of mine. Um, her and there's, there's a bunch of us in Pittsburgh that whether we blog or write or we're so active in the autism community, we kind of have, you know, this very tight connection, kind of your quote unquote tribe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was one of those things. And um, so a couple, a couple other ladies joined and it was like, why don't we share a story? And what I love about this is that we all shared a story and then we also um, have a, a ton of resources in there. So we have, we have children on the spectrum from, you know, all levels of the spectrum, you know, but also all different ages, um, diversity. That's what I love about it. So we all have different walks and paths in this life. And so we all share different resources that have helped us along the way. Um, and so that's in the book as well. And then like, we also added if you had anything else to add. So I think I did like my top five tips for IEP meetings. So like I wrote all that out. Um, and so there's, there's just a lot of nice information in there on top of the stories. So kind of just like, mom to mom you could read that sipping on your tea at night before bed or a glass of wine and just feeling less alone in your journey and then seeing all these amazing resources that maybe never heard of you know maybe you want to look into and so that about the book is that it's it makes you feel less alone it inspires hope but there's also this really nice resource section for parents to just check it out maybe there's something you haven't tried in there you know that's awesome and i mean the title is perfect. You are not alone. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. I will be sure to yes. link that up too to the to the podcast notes. Um, Thank you. And then I for sure want to also mention your um, your changing spaces, uh, Pennsylvania um, mm -hmm. project. And I am a huge fan of this. I mean, I wish uh, I could replicate that, and maybe I can um, once you mm -hmm. tell me how to do it <laughs> here in my sure. town. But. Um, mm -hmm. it's a huge problem for us because Skylar is not potty trained, which most people know. Um, mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about how that got started and, you know, where you are right now with the progress. Sure. So, um, it started for me. Um, I shared publicly about, um, you know, this restroom issue that we have with Ethan, even though he is toilet trained and uses the bathroom. He has a lot of accidents. He does have other medical diagnoses, um, which I feel like, 
you know, doesn't need shared in detail, you know, uh, publicly, but he does have autism and other medical issues. So with these accidents, you know, as he was getting older and, you know, I'm changing him in the back of our car and, you know, you know, my husband's like holding up a towel around us in a parking lot or, (laughs) you know, I'm changing him on a public bathroom floor, like on a beach towel. And, you know, as he's getting bigger and bigger. And the one day I came out and had like tears in my face and my husband's like, what is the matter? And I'm like, there has to be something better. Like there, I know there are other families out there that are doing this. Like what are people doing, you know, caregivers doing for someone in a wheelchair? Not all people in a wheelchair, you know, need something like this, but I think a lot do, you know, what, what are, what are people doing? You know, and so I'm starting of all my friends, like, what do they do? So I just started reaching out to people and thought, oh my gosh, we are all in this same boat and how terrible that we all feel isolated and that we can't talk about it because it's a private issue. Um, but I just felt like there was, there was something more. And so I just, I had happened to share a story. It was, you know, then we were interviewed by the news and that went nationally and then internationally. So it kind of blew up very fast. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I was not like prepared for all of that. But the bonus to all of it was that it got me in contact with the most amazing people across our country. So even outside our country in the UK, um, they have changing places, which they have a thousand, over a thousand accessible restrooms with not only an adult size changing table, but they also have a lift. So they have a tracking system in the ceiling with a lift for anyone who is trying to um, lift someone from a wheelchair onto the table to change them. So kudos to the UK because that, that is like over the span of 10 years to have over a thousand accessible restrooms is huge. So 2016 is how changing spaces began here in the U S and what happened was with the tracking system, like we still wanted it to be changing places, but you also have to include the tracking system. And here in the U S it's like our laws and liability and all these other are very different than the UK. So there was a lot of pushback on the lift. And so changing spaces originated because first and foremost, we're advocating for that height adjustable adult size changing table. So that at the very least, we are getting our loved ones off of the floor. (laughs) So yes. And that's the most important piece is that these tables are height adjustable. So they're power operated they lower down to about 18 inches from the floor. So you can actually lower it to the height of the wheelchair for the person that you're caring for. And so you can transfer safely over, safely for them, safely for the caregiver. Then there's a safety strap on the table. You raise the table up that's comfortable for the caregiver. You do what you need to do. You can lower the table back down and transfer them safely back into their wheelchair. So that is why like we specifically, that's why we specifically ask for the height adjustable tables um, to make sure that we're not asking people to put a fixed height bench and people are lifting their loved ones up onto a table because that's liability, risk, injury, all sorts of mess. That's <laughs> so, really hard um, to do. So yes, would these be, I imagine, in men and women bathrooms, male and female bathrooms? So what we specifically ask for with the Changing Spaces campaign is for a family restroom. And in a family restroom, instead of having a baby changing table, if you have like a universally designed changing table, which is what these are, universal design, meaning it can be for everyone, um, Mm -hmm. baby changing tables are for babies and toddlers up to, I think, 35 pounds. Yeah, not very much. um, 
No. And these tables are six feet long and about two and a half feet wide and hold up to between 450 pounds, 500 pounds. So this is accommodating okay. to most human beings. And that's, that's what, that's what our mission is, is trying to have these family style restrooms with, with one of these in it. This is not something you wouldn't want to see one of these in like a busy women's, women's restroom or men's right, restroom, right. because you do want that privacy aspect, you know, of the person that you're changing. Um, so this is why the family restroom is so important. And what I'm coming to learn is that so many family restrooms are already large enough to retrofit. Like you might have this long seven foot, eight foot long wall, and then you have this tiny little baby changing table. And I'm just looking around like, oh my goodness, you could take that off <laughs> and replace it with an adult size changing table and it's accommodating for everyone. So that's, that's our mission is to advocate for these powered height adjustable adult size changing tables. So it's more of a universal design inside a family restroom. So we're also working in individual states to get laws passed. And that's where like the changing spaces campaign Pennsylvania comes in is I, you know, did my research. I wanted to join forces with these ladies. They, I mean, I'm talking to ladies like on half of the other side of the country, you know, and have befriended these ladies. They're absolutely amazing. And we all have like kind of different walks of life and different stories. And our children have different diagnoses. But this one piece of equipment has brought us together and is literally life changing for families like ours. Absolutely. And so, you know, I asked the question about um, the different restrooms because mm -hmm. I'm still shocked when we go anywhere and we can't find a family restroom. I mean, the mm -hmm. airports finally have put them in, but right. it's, it's crazy to me. I mean, this is my little soapbox, but what's frustrating to me is even when we find a family restroom and like in the airport, the few times we've flown with Skylar, we have mm -hmm. gone to go in there um, and the door's locked. We're like, okay. And so we wait and out comes an individual that mm -hmm. shouldn't have been in that bathroom for one. But then we get in there and like you said, it is a baby changing table if there's even one at all in there. Right. But it's a huge space. So it's nice for us because he has privacy. We have privacy to change him. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't matter that we're all in there. But mm -hmm. also because, you know, at this point with him being 17 years old, I can't take him in the bathroom with me anymore because we, you know, at age 10, I think, or 11, we realized that women were looking at me like, why is this teenage boy, almost teenage boy in the women's yeah. restroom? And that caused all these other problems. Um, right. But so then my husband has to take him in to the, to the male, you know, bathrooms. Um, right. And people are still looking at him. And if the handicap stall is somebody's in it that shouldn't be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they have to wait and there's just no room for him to navigate around, of course, on the floor, on his knees, just mm -hmm. all of that. It is like you said, we, every single time we go to the bathroom with him in public, we're thinking there has to be a better way. I'm just so right. grateful that you did something about it, you know, oh. and anything I can do for the state of Indiana and Kentucky where I am, um, I will, I will do whatever I can to help look up the laws and talk to congressman whatever because it really affects our family so it's, yes it's important to yes me. absolutely i will see if because i think there's 22 states that are advocating for them now and like working with legislation so um after we're finished today i will definitely uh reach out to my the co-chapters you know in other states and just see if there's oh. one running and then if not i can send you the information um you know pennsylvania is 
we're making progress. Um, we introduced it in the House and the Senate, um, and then COVID happened, which really stinks <laughs> because yeah. we, you know, I, I've gone to Harrisburg twice now and have spoke, um, and the second time was actually at the hearing for the Senate uh, bill, and it was it was absolutely amazing, um, and. I, you know, I just met so many amazing people that, that day, and I really think that our voices were heard and that we were getting somewhere. Um, and so now we do have to like reintroduce it, you know, again next year. Um, but I'm I'm super co I'm confident and I'm hopeful that we have the right, you know, people in our corner. Um, you know, and this isn't this isn't like a legislative issue. This isn't you know. Um, Republican versus Democrat. This right. is a basic human right, you it's know. A public health um, issue. Yes. So this is like none of that should matter when it comes to this no. law and when it comes to this bill. And so that's what I love about it is you know that we have bipartisan support and they have been amazing, and we are so grateful for their support through all of it. So even though we have to reintroduce it because of the lovely pandemic, I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to continue moving forward and eventually get. The bill passed and so the point of the bill is so that we're not asking every small mom and pop place to have something like this the bill like will specifically state certain areas like sports arenas museums zoos malls airports hospitals you know things like that things of higher amount of people um, we're trying to be able to enjoy the community just like everyone else and not feel like we can't go enjoy a ball game or a concert because there's not accessible restrooms so that's the point of the bill is to make sure that we have accessible restrooms out in our communities so that everyone can enjoy their time <laughs> out yeah. with their family. That's so awesome. Kudos to you. I, I love it. It gets me so passionate and fired up about just, you know, not just autism in general, but just finding right. ways to include everyone. It's not an autism inclusion initiative. It's a, no. a literally, you know, come, you know, worldwide initiative to to include anyone who has a disability of any kind that could be absolutely helped. I love it. So awesome. You're a thank you. A wonderful mom. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so um, you. you know, to transition a little bit back to to Ethan, I want mm -hmm. you to to share with everyone, you know, what are the things that Ethan enjoys most? What makes him so happy and smiley and you know, just melt your heart when he's so happy um well anyone who follows us will know that he loves dinosaurs <laughs> i think he would probably fall over if he ever saw owen from jurassic world <laughs> like in person because he gets so excited with those movies um he probably has the biggest dinosaur collection you'll ever see it kind of looks like jurassic park threw up in our living room <laughs> um he loves to laugh like we just love his his ability to just like see joy in the little things and that's something i feel like that he has really taught our family is just to stop sweating the small stuff you know like if i would think of something that had me upset or stressed me out 10 or 15 years ago and i'd probably chuckle at that now you know <laughs> so um he's really just taught us to take in the small moments and enjoy the little things in life um and he just sees pure beauty in things you know even when we're outside and he like will hug a tree or like pick up a little flower slash weed and like hug it 
like he just he loves like his heart is just bursting with you know genuine kindness and innocence and just pure love like he just loves to love and if he is home and his family is there like he is just he's a happy guy like in his world all is well you know because he's home he has his his people and he just he just he loves to love and he loves to laugh and if you ever hear his laugh it is so infectious and it'll just literally <laughs> brighten your mood for the rest of the day and his smile I swear could light up like the darkest of days. There are days where you're just like waving the white flag, you know, mm -hmm. and then he might come over and whether it's, you know, putting his head on your shoulder or, um, you know, wrapping his arms around just your arm, you know, Ethan does a lot of like, he does like hugs and, you know, touch, but it's a lot like on his terms, you know, so yeah. he kind of has to invite you into his space. So when he does that, it's like, oh. Like you, you like take in every 30 seconds you can get. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's one thing that we just, we love about him so much is that he, he has made our family so much tighter and stronger together. Um, and really has just brought this, um, this newfound joy, you know, in life and in the little things that I don't know that we would have ever experienced without him, you know? Um, For it's, sure. it's, it's just, it's different. And, you know, we're always um, learning from him and, and he just, he makes us better people. He has made me a better human being by far. Uh -huh. That's sweet. I feel like, mm. you know, with, with our life too, they, um, I feel like I'm always constantly in motion and, and always in a hurry and always, you know, rushing, rushing, rushing to do this mm -hmm. and that. And I've found that I can't do that with Skylar anyway, because he takes forever to like mm -hmm. get moving. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, so all the years of frustration, like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And all of that, he has actually forced me to slow down. And that's mm -hmm. been our benefit too, is to just relax, go with the flow, try to let go of some of that, you know, need to constantly be moving and doing things. So, right. I mean, they're, they're a real blessing in, in so many ways. I mean, shake the good with the bad with any child. Yes. So, um, you know, I try not to blame autism for everything. So, yeah. Well, if you could, you know, talk to your younger self or a parent who is just going through this for the first time um, with mm -hmm. their diagnosis. And I think so many of us have a similar story with the bedside manner of the the diagnosing physician not being so great and giving us pretty mm -hmm. much a horrible prognosis for their future at the age of mm -hmm. three. Um, mm -hmm. If you could share anything that you've learned or um, change, maybe anything that you did when he was diagnosed or thought about, you know, is there mm -hmm. anything you would share with, with other parents? Um, when he was first diagnosed, um, I, I felt bad for feeling certain emotions, you know, and I, and I think that that's probably pretty typical for parents just receiving a diagnosis like that. Um, and I felt bad and I wish, you know, I would have given myself a little bit more grace and allowed myself to process and feel the emotions that I needed to feel in that time, um, you know, and, and move on from there. Um, I wish someone would have told me it's going to be okay. You know, um, I, I really think that it's going to be okay. 
is so comforting in, in moments like that. Um, and also that, you know, doctors and medical professionals throw a lot of numbers and statistics and things like that at you. And I, for me, that was so overwhelming within those first couple months of hearing, you know, if he doesn't say this amount of words by this time, he won't speak. If he doesn't do this by this time, he won't do that ever. If he doesn't, blah, blah, you know, and I just remember it was like, you're just sinking lower and lower in your chair, which felt like you were sinking lower and lower into your life, into this diagnosis of like, well, like what do you, it's like, it's all the negative. And that, that made me feel it not in some sort of way, you know, mm -hmm. and I just want people to know that most importantly, like there is no diagnosis, a number or a statistic that will ever define your child. Like those numbers and statistics that they throw around, I don't care if that's textbook or where they get that from, but that is not your child. I believe that they are lifelong learners. I believe that we give them the ability and resources and support that they need to be their truest and best self. And whatever that may look like, I truly believe that as long as we do that and love them through this and support them through this, that they will grow and keep learning and keep gaining new skills. You know, with Ethan, I mean, he's nine, nine and a half, and he is still gaining new skills and new words. And they told us, you know, if he's not speaking by a certain point or has certain words by a certain point, he's never going to fully speak like you and I. He won't speak in sentences. He won't do this. And Ethan has surpassed so much of what doctors said that he couldn't do because we never gave up. For sure. I mean, I agree with you. I think it was so well put that you need to give yourself grace. You know, it's mm -hmm. okay to, to mourn, to grieve, to all the things that you had planned and then mm -hmm. just start over with a different plan. Uh, they mm -hmm. are not 90 years old. They're learning every single day. There's no way a doctor could know what your child is capable of for the rest of their life at the age right. of three or four. <laughs> it's just, nope. it's ridiculous to even say that. And, um, you know, I would almost wish that I could go back and just smile at them and just say, okay. And then, you know, just leave mm -hmm. and, you know, not get upset, but you know, as a parent, of course, you're going to get upset when someone says something like anything negative about your child, right? <laughs> the mama bear comes out, but um, yep. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And he sounds like such a fabulous, fabulous little boy. And, um, I'm Thank sure you. your daughter and, um, your other son are just as amazing as Ethan. So, um, I, I just, I love everything that you're doing. And I just, there are so many people that will benefit from your passion for helping, um, anyone with special needs in this world. So thank you so much for all the effort you've put in and you continue to put in. Um, I'm, I'm honored to, to be friends with you and to know you now. So thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. That was so kind of you to say all of that. I, I truly, it brings me joy helping other people and inspiring hope into people and to let them know that they are not alone. Feeling alone and feeling isolated is a terrible feeling. And if I could just help one other person a day to feel less alone and to know that they're not, they're not doing this walk without anyone, that then I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose, you know? I just, I love helping other people and, and connecting and thank you for everything that you're doing and your amazing podcast and your beautiful family. So 
you're doing amazing things too. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. And we are not alone. And I will link your You Are Not Alone book <laughs> up Thank to the you. show notes <laughs> and all the ways people can reach out and, and read your blog and, and connect with you on social media too. So um, again, I appreciate you so much and um, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.